beyond this podcast is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. What the f- <laughs> What is happening? You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance. Of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the sound advice zone. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> and cue theme music. <laughs> oh, uh, that was my uh, lousy attempt at a Rod Serling impression. I've always wanted to do that, so bucket list A. That was oh. actually really cool. Was it? See, do you even know the reference, Marcus? No, I got no idea what that is. Boy, it's Twilight Zone. Uh, I, I knew he didn't, so I asked. <laughs> That's funny. I was just digging it because, like, it really... I almost became like entranced. Stop. I was almost hypnotized. <laughs> well, that's what Twilight Zone does to you. But this is Sound Advice. This is not Twilight Zone. And today we've got some advice for you that's hopefully not as spooky as anything actually on Twilight Zone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so our first segment today, we are going to talk about long distance relationships. LDRs. And I happen to know Kirsten Clark is in one. So, okay. so she's our gonna... expert on the panel for today. Because <laughs> yeah. no one else is in one. Let's me. Um, okay, so... Let's actually make this a question for everyone. Have you guys ever been in a long-distance relationship? Nope. Marcus? No. Dang, this no. is a... Have why did not, we pick this? No. I have okay. not been in a long-distance. Okay. Uh, all right. So I guess I'll just talk about my experience. So, I don't know. Um, For me, it's not too far because my boyfriend's like two hours away, so it's not terrible. Oh, for real? I thought I was in like New York. What? <laughs> what? Uh, I guess... No, no, that's right. That's your other friend. Sorry. Continue. Oh, John. Yeah. yeah not my yeah. boy. <laughs> okay, but yeah. So John's in New York, but Nick is my boyfriend is two hours away. Daytona, um, right? Yes, Daytona. Give oh my god, giving, I was like Emery Riddle. No, but um, so we started off long distance. It's it's been a year now because it was last the end of last year. Dang, it's a long time. Yeah, been but, going strong. Um, so it's funny because we started out and it was like. I feel like this sounds silly, but like we started out and like a week has been was like the longest we saw each between seeing each other just mm-hmm. because like we went to school together. So like that seemed kind of like a long ish time. Um, and then over summer, it was like two weeks in between seeing each other. And it was like that felt wa- long. But then like after time went on, it didn't feel long. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like after doing it over and over. So and then right now, like I see him like every three weeks just because um, tests are coming up and all of that. And then this time, actually, I won't see him for a month. But even maybe more just because he has finals and then I have finals and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, y'all stay busy. Yeah, so it's my first, you know, it's a month, which is, that seems like a long time. But I think if you're in a long distance relationship, as time goes on, you just kind of get used to it and it doesn't, like, affect you as much. You know, you still miss the person. You still... um talk to them and stuff but the the time in between doesn't feel as long just because you both are enjoying you know having your own lives and it's actually really fun because you both do different things so you get to talk about it and share different experiences um one thing i do miss is sharing the same experiences and then like it's like inside jokes or you know meeting on campus or whatever mm-hmm. and like knowing the same people and what they're up to because that's kind of fun to talk about but like i said different experiences different friends you can talk about um I guess the tip I have is try and uh, call or FaceTime the other person, like set up a schedule. Um, for us, we I, I try and talk to them on the phone every like once a day just for like not that long. But some people it's like once a week. But it's way different to text versus um, talking on the phone or seeing them on FaceTime. Texting is it's not as. There's a level of intimacy with calling and, and FaceTiming. Yeah, so I think, and I think it's necessary because 
Um, otherwise, it kind of feels like you're not even in a relationship, to be honest. Like, after a while, if you just text back and forth all the time, it kind of just loses, like, you know what I mean? Like, that feeling. I feel like it would be like that all the time, though. Like, is it always hard or, like, I don't know. So, when it fir- when I we first started, like, it was very t- tough on me just because it was weird. It was, like, we saw each other every single day because, we, again, we went to the same school. Literally every single day to, like, again, like, once a week and then it kind of... So it was very, very hard on me. I think it was, like, harder on me than him just because I think guys are like that. Yeah. But um, for me, it was, like... Voda <laughs> gave me the stare. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Dude, Marcus probably could be in a relationship and, like, not see them for two months. You could see them for, like, not two years and you'd be like, who are you? <laughs> wow, you guys... No, you guys I want to ask you that, actually. But um, the beginning was very difficult and just like sucky because like honestly people post stuff about their relationship a lot on social media and you notice it more if you're in a long distance relationship oh, yeah like picture every day of them together doing stuff you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it's like dang i'm not with that person um but honestly right now it's really not too bad unless i like forcefully think about it then it gets really sad but like day to day it's really not too bad because i'm just doing a bunch of stuff all the time Weekends are kind of hard because we usually would do fun stuff on the weekends. But if I do stuff with other friends or even just have like a day alone, it's it's not too bad. Um, so would you recommend a long distance relationship to the average user? <laughs> yeah, the average I love how I said one. that. Yeah. So I think most people wouldn't choose to have a long distance relationship if they had to. Obviously, distance is um, not something that like helps a relationship really, except well, I guess long term. But at the beginning, like. As time goes on, I definitely think our relationship has gotten better because when I spend time with him now, it's just like a lot more meaningful um, just because it's like less often. And I really look forward to spending time with him now because it's like kind of like, okay, once I get through this week, I can see him. Stuff like that. Um, Gosh, I'm talking for so much. (laughs) That's (laughs) so sweet. um, I was going to say like, I know not necessarily like your relationship, but some relationships like people have, I'm thinking one relationship. Mm -hmm. It's like an online relationship. But yeah. but, like, they have, like, very similar careers, but they're always doing separate things, and they both travel a lot. And I know they've talked about how, like, their long-distance relationship, like, has kind of strengthened them because they can be alone for so long and, like, do separate jobs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is even, like, relevant, but I, I don't know, like, I think it, for some people, like, long-distance relationships can, like, just help you be more independent because so many couples don't get to go through that, and they're always, like, very codependent on each other. Yeah, that's definitely a thing because... Uh, we were our first both, um, what's the word, first like real relationship, you know, mm-hmm. like real long term. So for me, I was like very attached to him. And it kind of like when I, especially in the quote unquote honeymoon phase, like it was, I was like very, very attached to him. And it was, it was pretty bad just because like I didn't really see other people all the time. So um, I was very like attached to him. So I think this has helped me, you know, step back and be like, okay. Cause I, it's funny because before a relationship, I was very independent and then when I got into one, I was like, I want to be with him 24-7. And now I'm just like, it's really nice to be able to take a step back. Um, and I think if you're together all the time, like from the beginning of the relationship as you go on, it's, you kind of, like you said, you kind of don't get the, not break, but you kind of, at, over time you can kind of forget about yourself and what you actually wanted to do, your dreams and stuff. Because you're like, oh, I'll go with you this place because I don't care. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel you. But yeah, I think distance really can help you. And if you guys are fighting a lot, maybe that kind of shows your relationship isn't as strong as you thought it was. Um, but here's one point I do have to say is I think if you don't have like an end goal 
to stop being long distance, I think it'd be very hard to keep going. So um, we have a friend that says uh, she's been with her boyfriend all of uh, all of college and they're kind of they're they're in the same thing and they kind of do a lot of stuff together because they're in the same profession. And one of them wants to move to L.A. and one of them wants to move to New York. And yeah, she was saying if if we don't have like an end goal of meeting up after this, I don't think I can do this, which I totally understand, because if you guys don't have an end goal of like we're going to live together eventually, I think it'd be very hard to keep going. Definitely. Like, how do you I don't know, like for you personally, like I don't want to keep putting you on the spot because you're like the only person. No, it's it's fine. But um, like, what do you guys plan to do? Like, I know Nick's still in school, right? Yes. And you're graduating like next year. Like, do you guys have plans? Like, have you talked about it? Yeah, I think it's funny because I'm very much a planner and I like to look forward and be like, okay, here's what I'm going to do in the next year. Like, here's what I want to accomplish. Especially recently, I've set goals for myself and stuff. Career wise, I'm not sure, but you know, other stuff. Yeah. And I think my boyfriend's more like, just like go with the flow. Like, we'll figure it out when it gets here, which is fine. But also for me, it's like, but you know, so I'm graduating next year. He's graduating. Um, what is it called? Med- not medical school. <laughs> grad school. <laughs> He's graduating grad school next year. So we're going to graduate at the same time, but he kind of wants to get his PhD. and He's graduating fast. Well, grad school is like two years usually. So depends on the program, but yeah. Yeah, definitely depends on the program. Um, so, but we technically graduate at the same time. And then he's deciding if he wants to do P- get his PhD or not, which is like three years after. But we we would want to move in together after we both graduate. Um, and it kind of depends where he's going to get his PhD if he does it. Like he mm-hmm. might go to New York or like, which would be fine with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if it's like a place that I totally would enjoy, I would definitely like move there with him. So I think, but like the end goal is we're going to move in together after like next year, hopefully. That's yeah. interesting. So you would say that long distance relationships should be a temporary type thing where you deal with the long distance while you have to. But if the end game is not to eventually come back to having short distance where you guys are both in the same area, then it's not really something that's worth pursuing. Personally, I wouldn't pursue that because I think for me, like a relationship, most of it is spending time with the other person. And like if I couldn't see them face to face, I would I don't know. I don't think it'd feel as real. But what do you guys think? I agree. Like, if your lives aren't going to eventually, like, come together, mm-hmm. it's like, why are you together? Like, you can be friends with this person, but is it really a relationship after, like, years of not even being with them? Right. Like, I, I don't know. I think it just transforms into something that can't be, you know, like, successful almost. What about you, Marcus? I would agree with that. I think that um, when you're going to enter a relationship in general, I would not want to enter the relationship with it starting off as long distance. Mm-hmm. I want to start off where we're in the same area just because proximity is important, at least in the beginning to me. Mm-hmm. So I'd want to have both the, I think there's a triangle they say of love. So there's a passion, which is, I guess, intimacy. And then there's what they call intimacy, which is um, having conversations and getting to know each other well. And then there is a commitment. So, you can have commitment whether it's long distance or short distance and you can have uh intimacy whether it's long distance or short distance but having passion i mean you have to you have to be short distance for that and so i feel if i'm going to start a relationship it has to be in the beginning at least uh short distance so we can have all three of those things mm-hmm. and then after we've you know established that and and it's gotten better and we we've built something that's worth keeping then i'd say okay if we have to go long distance then i'm i'm willing to do that but I wouldn't want to start it that way. I mean, I've seen people like 
just friends like growing up like having like internet clicks kind of thing like I've seen people like in different states who have never even met each other but they talk online like I guess get together like mm-hmm. however you do that um but like because they just feel like something romantically towards this person and I've seen like success stories where these people eventually do meet and like they love each other but I think that could also go badly but I don't think you necessarily have to start you know like short distance like face to face I mean, catfish, that could go bad. True, though. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to happen, but I do feel that uh, the percentage of relationships that work out starting off long distance is, is a lot smaller. Yeah. So, and also, I just, I feel like the passion is the really, one of the really important parts for me. Like, not just, you know, sexual, just anything that has to do with you being near the person. Just be, you being able to see them in person is, it's powerful, even if uh, you don't really do anything. I mean, just even a hug or a holding hands type situation, that has impact on how you feel about them. And um, if you can't even do something like that, then it's going to affect you. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, like, there are studies where touch is, like, a huge part of just even friendships or, you know, romantic relationships. Um, eye contact and, you you know, seeing them smile, stuff like that, I think is, it does, it is very important. I think it does drain you if you don't get that as often as possible. And I've seen things that say, like, you know, try and see your partner every once a month at least just because like otherwise it's past that point it's very difficult and um the emotional level isn't as clear just because you haven't seen each other in so long um and you can say stuff through text and stuff you wouldn't actually say in person just you know in the heat of the moment or whatever so but I, i don't know i feel like i that people you know say for example like the military people go away for a year oh yeah i can't imagine that at all that'd be terrifying and not only it's gotta be rough yeah not only that is like are they going to come back safe? Stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that's crazy. It's making me sad. Um, <laughs> but one thing I think about, like, I don't want to, again, put you on the spot, Kirsten. But, like, I think we talked about jealousy last week. Mm-hmm. Check out that podcast. <laughs> Listen um, to it. That's not an aggressive. <laughs> Listen. No, but, uh, like, do you ever see this person, like, hanging out with other people? And because you're so far away from them, like, you kind of get that sense of jealousy where it's, like, you want to be there or, like, you're jealous of the people actually with them. Yeah, I think because, you know, you don't get to meet the people they're hanging out with. Mm-hmm. It's like, it really sucks. Even if it's like a guy friend of his, like, I'm like kind of jealous that it's like, oh, I can't meet this person. Like, see why you like them as a friend, you know? So I think not being able. So like when Nick knows most of my friends because he was here when I had them, which is so he knows. And it's like really fun to talk about them still. Um, but then like people he's met there, I've never met. So it's hard. Um, it's hard to not be like kind of sad like oh I wish I was there hanging out with you too or um you know stuff like that so I think um if you're long distance for too long it can really just kind of pull you apart even if you don't want it to be just because you guys are meeting new people all the time which is not a bad thing but you know if you bring someone if you develop a friendship with someone and they don't get to like meet your significant other vice versa kind of like lessens I don't know the closeness yeah yeah and with long distance uh, or there's this this um this article I read in my textbook, and it was talking about how old couples tend to have companionate love, because over the years their love just begins to fade, and not all of it, just the the passionate parts, so the physical parts begin to fade, and I feel that way about long distance too. If you don't constantly, or or not constantly, if you don't um occasionally check up on uh your spouse or your lover, and have you know passionate times with them then your relationship, you can still keep the relationship, but it's going to start ending up to be more of a companionate relationship where it's just more of a friendly than romantic love that you have for them. 
Although old people are like the number one population <laughs> for like STDs, just saying. Oh, no. <laughs> the villages, oh, that's no. real close to here. Yeah. Um, I think a tip I have too is, I think, I've read this somewhere online too, but like you should really try and ask each other about each other's day. Like every day. If, I mean, if you guys text, it depends how your relationship is. Um, like for me, I, I like texting groups all day, every day. Like it's just a thing. So I text my boyfriend like pretty much every day. We'll just send pictures of like, I don't know, you know, because I'm on my phone a lot. So, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's important to just say like, how was your day? And, and instead of just saying good or responding with like, oh, it was okay. Just go through kind of what you did. And just so they can like kind of be there in a sense. And like, oh, you talked about doing this last week. Did you actually do it? Stuff like that. So you can like create conversations out of stuff. Yeah. And let them be there in spirit. Exactly. I gotta ask you though, like, do you think it would be different if, like, he's only two hours away? Like, what if he was in like a different country? Do you think it would be different? Yeah, I, th- I think about that a lot because I think for me is like I kind of have the reassurance that I could potentially go see him when I wanted. Mm-hmm. Like, if there was like, maybe not an maybe an emergency or you know something like quick, I can be like, okay, well it's two hours, I can drive and I have the opportunity to. It's not a huge deal. Right. So I think even state or country, like you would have to buy a plane ticket and do all that. I think that would be a lot harder for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think for that, it's just like more expensive for you guys to see each other. And like, you'd have to plan it like months in advance, you know, while two hours is like a couple weeks, I can say, Oh, during this week, next month, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, what do you guys, do you guys think, like, how long do you guys think you could go without, I know this is a hard question, but (laughs) like seeing someone else, I guess it's hard because friendship, you know, for me, I can go a long time without seeing a friend. Yeah. Which is kind of sad, though, because I think even friends, like, fade away. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. And you don't notice it as much for friends because you're like, oh. Yeah. But. I mean, it depends on how much I am committed to the person that I'm with. So if I was with the person for a long period of time and I developed strong feelings for this person, then I would want to make it work for as long as possible. And as long as she and I were uh, uh, what's the word? We're active. As long as we were active about trying to stay connected and trying to stay as a couple, then I feel like I could I could do it for an extended period of time. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it for years on end, but yeah. if there was like times where I could come and see her, she could come and see me every every now and then, even if even if it's a uh, once a month or once a week. Maybe twice a month, <laughs> twice a week. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, but yeah, as long as we can see each other every every so often, then I'd be I'd be okay with trying to make it work. Yeah, I agree. But I I don't know. I feel like it would be hard. But Marcus, um, I don't know if you want to talk about this on the podcast. Like you can strike this if you want. But um, I know you had a relationship. Yeah, and yeah. From what I understand, like it was you going to college and she was still in high school. Yeah, yeah. Or separate colleges. I don't know what the story was. Um. But I think you were like, no, I'm not going to like wait for you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's along the lines of long distance relationships. So so essentially what happened was I was dating this girl back in high school. She was one grade lower than me. So when I was a senior, she was a junior and I was getting ready to go to UF. And she said she wants me to wait for her and wait for her as in don't go to college yet and oh. wait for me to graduate. And oh, then wow. we'll both go to college. And I said, I mean, I'm definitely not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. And if we were going to be together, then, I mean, I'm just, we were going to have to make it work long distance. Anyway, we broke up before that could happen. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely wasn't going to wait for her to do that. But I was, I was willing to make it work long distance because I really liked her. But I could tell from the way the relationship was going that it was just going to end before we even got to that point. Gotcha. But yeah, so I guess the, uh, the solution to that is, uh, 
to see where the relationship is going. And then if it's work, if it's going to work out, then a hey, make it work. But don't wait for anybody. If you're going to go to college, like if you're not there yet or anything in your life, if you're doing anything in your life where they ask you to wait, I mean, no, no, go do your go do your thing. And then you can still make it work. It doesn't have to be where you both just are in the same area every time in your life. I think that's really good advice because I think so often people like will put careers aside for like to be with the one they love. And I guess that's like romantic, but like you're sacrificing like your job, like what you love, like you're sacrificing a part of yourself that you've worked towards just for this person. So I don't think yeah, it's sweet, but it can also be foolish. Yeah. So like, don't ever like do that and like fear a long distance relationship because it can work. And I think it depends what stage of life you're in. So college students, like they're a lot of times the, you know, relationships, people are going in very different career paths. And so, you know, you think about where you're going to live and you know, what city works best for you. And I think kind of what I was saying about those two people splitting up because they're, they have such different ideas of what is like a nice place to live. If you have the opportunity to move, um, don't sacrifice going somewhere with someone. If you don't, if you don't think you'll like the place just because they'll go. I mean, if you, if you guys are going to, you know, like start a family or whatever and you're like, Oh, I don't care as long as I'm with you. Like I get that kind of, but if your career is somewhere else, I don't, I agree. You shouldn't just pick up and go and, I'll find something there. Like, what if you really won't find something there? What if you regretted not going to where you wanted to actually go? Yeah. I respect that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Should we move on to the next segment? Sure. Yes. Let's do it. All right. Segment number two. Tips appreciated. Uh Uh-oh. Woohoo. On public speaking. Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people uh, feel that way about it. Yeah. So what we are going to do is we are going to give you some easy well, maybe not easy, but some helpful tips that you can use to make public speaking less of a hassle, less of a chore, and less of a bore. Oh, that was good. Nice, nice. Yeah, came up with that on the spot, huh? Pretty good. Hey, let's go. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Everything you say, let's go. Let's go. Anyway, uh, so number one, first tip should be practice in front of the mirror. Because, well, if you're going to see exactly how you look when you're speaking. So it's really important for you to practice in front of the mirror. Um, I had, oh, were you going to keep going? No, you guys okay. are good. Well, I had a public speak. The reason I put this is I had a public speaking teacher. First of all, really, I used to hate public speaking. I took, I just want to share this memory. I took a class in high school. It was public speaking. And it was with a teacher that I thought he was okay at the time, but also like very kind of like mean, you know. So I took it and it was actually a bunch of seniors in there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to drop this after this class. Yeah. But I had to take the first one. And we all had to go up and give um, an introduction to ourselves in front of the class. And I realized at the moment, like, this was not for me. Like, I blanked and I was very nervous and I hated every second of it. But then I came to college and I had to take public speaking. So I took it over the summer trying to get it over with. And I had a really awesome teacher who was very chill and, like, I guess an easy grader. But also, like, he wanted to do the speech just because of the confidence he gave you. And he did say, or one, I guess the book said, practice in front of the mirror because... When you do this, it's not to like embarrass you or make you feel stressed out about it, but you kind of pick up on little things that you do with your hands or your eyes, or if you kind of sway back and forth, it makes you pick up on these things. And then you can gradually kind of try and fix them before you actually do your speech. See, with me, I don't think I would want to look in a mirror because I feel like that would just make me more self-conscious because I'd be like, oh, I look stupid, but I can't even like control this. And I guess that's the point of it is like, seeing that you look stupid and trying to control it but I, that would make me more nervous oh, I totally get that too I think 
I think it depends how confident you feel about yourself Yeah, is a big thing. Because if you're like starting out where you're just like, I genuinely don't, I genuinely hate public speaking, then yeah, I agree. That probably won't help you. You're saying I don't have confidence? <laughs> I mean, if it's your first time... Um, if you're if it's your first time doing it in front of the mirror, seeing yourself, and you're not very good at public speaking in general, it's it could be kind of um, kind of I guess yeah, it can be heartbreaking. It can be brutal seeing yourself try to do it because you're you're gonna see how I mean you've seen people public speak before. You've seen good speakers and and good uh, performers and present presenters uh, do their thing. So you're gonna see yourself and you'll say, "Wow, uh, I'm not nearly as good as I I thought I was or how I want to be." But you have to just practice because that's how you get better. So just have to practice and just take it as you see it one step at a time. I agree that practice is important. Like, I'm going to just dismiss the mirror thing because it ain't for me. <laughs> uh, but I practice, like, definitely. Like, I used to wing all my speeches. Oh, my gosh. And that would just make it way worse. Like, I had no idea what I was saying. I, like, think about what I'm going to say next in my head so I don't say it because I'm, like, solely confused on every aspect. Um so you should definitely plan and, you know, like, know what you're going to say. Like, don't, we have another point that I don't want to get to yet. But it's like, you know, don't memorize things. But just, like, just know what you're going to say. Like, just know your stuff. It's interesting. I got a little bit better at public speaking in high school only because one of my teachers, he wasn't even my public speaking teacher. I didn't have one. He was my English teacher. But, um, yeah, back in high school, he would have us do... Uh, impromptu speeches. Us too. That was our English teacher. And that was so much fun. No. That no. was, what? You didn't like that? It was so much fun. It's so much pressure. So See, you say, I... Marcus, get up to the class and do a presentation. And I had to do a presentation on, I remember there was one, he said, uh, why prostitution should be legal. Uh, and I still remember, I said, I mean, order a prostitute like you order a sandwich. And it was just so ridiculous. That's but, weird uh, that he asked you that. Yeah, that sounds very inappropriate. It was a very strange, it was a strange day, but it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I still remember it, so. And that's saying something, because I don't remember much from high school. But anyway, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I did the impromptu speeches thing, and it made me a little bit better. Just being able to just talk off of off of the nothing that I, I have prepared. I feel like that... But you should always be prepared. Yeah, I feel like stuff like that could be very useful. But I think with our situation, we had the same English teacher, and he was, like, almost very intimidating. And he would make you talk until he was satisfied. So you would get up there and... He'll give you, like, a topic. Like, I think mine was talking about my sisters, which, like, should be easy. And I went on for a while, but, like, he didn't stop me. He was, like, he just sat there with, like, his hands folded and just sitting there waiting for me to keep going. So I had to keep rambling and rambling, and it just made me more nervous. Yeah, so I think scaring kids like that and making them feel very vulnerable and um, just, like, embarrassed is not the way to teach public speaking. Also, though, I do have a point of advice that's not on our Tips Appreciated mm-hmm. list. Yeah. But um, also, sometimes, like... Comedy is obviously good, and sometimes pointing out that you're nervous to the audience can be really helpful because it's like, all right, they know that I'm nervous, so I'm going to be, like, less nervous because it's like, all right, that's already out in the open. And, like, I have one story. I think it was my best presentation of all time, and I've never had another good presentation. But it was another English class in senior year, and um, for some reason, like, we could do anything for this project, but it had to be based on this book. So I pretended to be, like, a real estate agent for this novel. It was, like, some what is it, Jane Austen book? Um, and uh, they had, like, a house. And so I brought in, like, a briefcase. I had, like, a fake name tag. Also, alternate personalities. I don't know if you can always get away with this, but that's, like, helpful. Acting? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, I'm Kelsey Middleton of Middleton Real Estate. Excuse me. <laughs> and, like, I had all these props, and I was just, like, going at it. And uh, I started the whole thing with, like, 
that Kelsey Middleton has arthritis and that's why she's shaking. So it was kind of like a joke that like I'm actually really nervous, but she yeah, has arthritis. Yeah, yeah. Aww, that's cute. That's clever. That's clever. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so I gave the whole presentation and I felt so good about it and everyone was like laughing and it was so good. So like stuff like that. If you can do little stuff. Yeah. If you can, you can be clever about yeah. your nervousness and yeah, kind of use it to your advantage. Yeah. That'd be cool. I yeah. like that. So that's my only point of contention. <laughs> Um, I think for me, what I'm going to say is don't write your speech out and memorize it word for word. So I had this girl do this in our communications class, and she had to give um, her section of like a 20-minute presentation with four other people. So I think hers was, you know, four or five minutes. And she (laughs) just started talking, and she was holding up props, and you could just see her, like her eyes glaze over, and she was just staring at the back, and she was just reciting this memorization. It was so awkward and like... You could tell she was just reciting something. Yeah, that's rough. That's and she rough. would like squint and then keep going, like trying to remember. <laughs> and it was awful. Like it was delivered terribly. She didn't have any inflection. She just went for it. So don't do that. I know you think it might help you, but I think when you're up there, you could easily blank and then you feel like it's ruined. So what we were, what we were taught is to have a index card and you just write bullet points in your order of where you're going, but, you know, maybe just a sentence on the topic. And then for me, I do like little key points, maybe one word. Um, so that way when you blank, you can just look down, be like, okay, this is what I remembered from this section, you know, and just keep going. Um, obviously this does involve a lot of practice because you're going to have to go over all this information. And what I, I just sit in my room and like say my presentation over and over. Um, but it shows that you actually know what you're talking about and it's conversational while also being, you know, professional. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. What you need to do is practice, of course. And then when you're practicing, you have the key points on a note card. So you have exactly what you know you need to get out before the end mm-hmm. of the presentation on the note card. And then as you're practicing, you can also put in parts where you say, okay, I know I forget what I'm supposed to say here, so I'm going to put this part also right here. Mm -hmm. So you have the key points and then points where you know you start to to lose focus. And then that will definitely help your presentation skills get better. Yeah, definitely. Like, even stuff like hard facts that, like, you know you want to say, but, like, you don't – you won't, like, remember a number or something. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's good to, like, write in there and just be like, oh, this is this. Like, I had a presentation on conspiracy theories once, and there was, like, some – What, Illuminati? No, it was, like, aliens and then, like, JFK assassination. But there was, like, some – That's another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But there was, like, some, uh, like, date about, like, Mars or something and aliens, and I was just like, I'll write this down, and I got it. And see, for me, if I write a date down and I'm, like, practicing, I remember numbers really well. So, like, during the speech, I won't – I just already know numbers, and then I can kind of work off the numbers and be like, okay, this number goes to this and this and this, and it's, like – it sounds like I'm factual and I know what I'm saying, but, like, it's just, like, kind of a memorization thing. But you're really an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, Matt. Oh, man. But yeah, um, I think writing down your key points and then if you forget stuff that's not written down, it's not a huge deal because those weren't the key points, you know, that mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, it, it's nice to add fluff to it. But if you forget those, it's not a huge mess up. And what makes, uh, I guess, practicing really important so that you know your key points and then you, you can speak without memorizing or trying to memorize everything or just reading off of a card completely. What makes it better than that is just the fact that you sound natural. And the more natural you sound, then the better the presentation is going to be. Because when you just sound like you are, you know, reading off of a note card, mm-hmm. it's just it's just not as effective. If, for example, some great leaders like uh, Martin Luther King Jr., if he was to have speeches where he's just reading off a card, I mean, it wouldn't be nearly as powerful as it is when he was doing the speeches that he would do. And, of course, like, you know, he's not going off the t- top of the dome. You know, he would prepare speeches 
but he just had a great way of remembering what to say, key points and stuff to forget and stuff like that. So he just had a great way of presenting because he was just such a great presenter. And I think, very natural. Yeah, he was very natural. I think people say like record yourself, which and listen back, which I never did, but I did record myself to see how long it would take. Yes. Well, in classes sometimes that's required, but uh, I talk really fast if I'm like doing a speech in front of people. Like that's just a thing. So when I'm practicing. You know, I do it a few times just to get it down, but then I realize, okay, like I really need to slow down. Um, and like, I don't, this is a tip they said too: is like you can write slow down on your card, which like probably wouldn't help me, but slow down or enunciate these specific words. Maybe like underline a word you're bad at pronouncing. Um, just like little key things to like help you keep going, and but also just stay calm up there. Also, beforehand, like I know actors do this, like they have little things they say, like tongue twisters or like even just noises, like ma ma. And, like, if you just do that beforehand and, like, you go through, like, the alphabet and sound it out, like, phonetically, I think that really helps you, like, actually get your words across because I, I personally, like, tend to stumble over, like, everything. So I think if you can really enunciate and you practice enunciating beforehand, that really helps. Yeah, it's just like stretching before you play a sport. True. And I think you can really tell if you're in a speech class who practiced and who didn't. True. So enunciate, or not enunciation, but... um. Infliction is a huge thing too. Like if someone's monotone, I don't care what the topic is. It's I'm not going to be interested. So when you're practicing, maybe even if it kind of sounds weird to you, but just try and enunciate stuff you maybe normally wouldn't, or just kind of make it lively. Because like a lot of people kind of just get bored with speeches in general. So spice it up. Yeah. And ultimately, I think it comes down to just like knowing your stuff. Like really Mm -hmm. ingest the information. Go over it in your head without notes, without anything. Just make sure you know all the facts. Make sure you like don't. You don't necessarily have to like what you're talking about, but just know it. Like, make sure you know it. But if you get to choose your topics, totally choose something that you really enjoy talking about or even learning about. Like, oh, I don't know this, but I'm going to do research for this speech if you're required to. And then, you know, you can be like, oh, I found this interesting. Do you guys find this interesting? Yeah, like the conspiracy theories thing. I was like, this is going to be fun. Yeah. And it was fun. Exactly. Sweet. So let's just go over those tips really quick, just to rerun. So practice them, practice overall. You don't have to do it in front of the mirror, but like practice out loud. Don't just read it. Say the words out loud. Time yourself, write stuff down, get all over that. So something we kind of glossed over, but we said it quick, is say what you know. Don't don't like write stuff that you're like maybe uncomfortable saying or you're not like, you know, because sometimes they have questions at the end of your speeches for the audience, like, you know, the classmates just ask something. So, like, do some research, maybe if you don't even say it, like, that you have in the back of your hand. And then, of course, don't write your whole speech to memorize. So, good luck out there if you have speech classes. I'm so Everyone sorry gets for you. No, 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 no. I mean, you'll be great. Everyone gets through <laughs> it. Everyone feels just as nervous as you. And half the kids do not pay attention because they're focused on their speech they're about That's to give. That's so true. <laughs> oh, good point. I'm talking way too much on this podcast, so I'm sorry. It's okay. It's all me. Kelsey and uh, Kelsey and I will will take the lead for the rest of this. All right, just you sit back and relax. <laughs> well, I mean, our next segment, I'm I'm supposed to sign, but Kelsey, you take over the next segment. Oh my Clark's goodness! Supposed to stay now she quiet gotta read now. this, but she got a good voice for this, so go ahead. Do I? Yes. Uh, anyway, so our next segment is uh, hypothetically speaking. Light. So yeah, so <laughs> we're bringing that back again, y'all. Beautiful. All right, so. All right, hypothetically speaking, guys. All right, you have a nephew, six years old, and he's getting to the age where he's starting to question a lot of the stuff around you. All right, all right. And uh, also, I should preface this. Easter's coming up. (laughs) (laughs) This is an important part. (laughs) No, Easter's coming up, I think, Sunday. Yes. Sunday, you know. Uh, So anyway, 
So it's around Easter time. You have a six-year-old nephew. This is all hypothetical. So for Easter, your family's getting together, and, you know, they're uh, painting eggs, doing egg hunts, eating candy, getting money, maybe, if they're like... Getting money? <laughs> I got so what much money world? when I was a child. I got like $5 from an egg once. Right, though? It's great. So anyway, you're playing with your nephew when he cautiously asks you, Yo, Kels, or Yo, Kirsten, or Yo, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. Is the Easter Bunny real? Oh, What man. do you do? Oh. Hmm. Child curiosity. This is actually a very interesting question for me because there are a lot of factors that you have to take in. So, firstly, you have to take in how emotionally invested the kid is to the Easter Bunny True. or whatever myth that the kid believes in, you know? <laughs> myth. Yeah, you know, like Santa Claus. Uh, what other myths are there? Greek mythology. Greek mythology. How, yeah, how much he believes in, uh, you know, Aphrodite. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Easter. But um, but yeah. So it all depends on how much the kid has, um, how much yeah emotional attachment the kid has to these to these characters and stuff. And then it also depends on what the parents think, because I would not want to infringe on what the parents uh, are trying to teach the kid. So if the parents are are com- convincing the kid that the Easter Bunny exists. I'm not going to try to tell them otherwise. I'll just do, I'll just go with what the parents say because, I mean, it's their kid. Kirsten? Um, yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not like someone that would like intentionally be mean or like destroy child's dreams. Like I genuinely probably would just be like, of course he's real, like, especially if you're six. I feel like that's pretty young. I don't, like, I don't remember, I don't know the age of children anymore, yeah, but it's pretty young. I, I definitely would, I would not want to be the one to tell them that, you know, because even if they had, even if they had doubts, like, again, I don't think that's my place necessarily, unless the parents, like, don't care, um, but I wouldn't go to all that trouble asking. I'd just be like, yeah, of course he's real, you know. All right, so let's change it up. What if the kid is, like, 12 years old? <laughs> Do you tell him? Yeah, this kid is a, <laughs> this is no longer a kid, this is a preteen. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> but what if he still believes? Do you tell him? Yeah, you gotta break. You gotta break his heart. I feel like I wouldn't even. I, I feel like I wouldn't even like believe that he actually. You wouldn't even that. acknowledge. I'd be like, it, you're huh? funny. You're funny, and he's like, what? I'm like, you're just that would right that would hurt him. That would hurt his feelings <laughs> even more. Like, Wait, what? You, you're making fun of me, and he doesn't exist. Really quick, I saw this video on BuzzFeed of parents telling their children that Santa wasn't real, like as a BuzzFeed oh my video. God, I hate BuzzFeed. Oh, no, there's a lot of channels like that. Like, there's a new channel. I don't think it's BuzzFeed, but it's something else, and it's like... BuzzFeed is the worst. They just break all this news to people, and it's just like, why? Yeah, but, like, children, like, I, like all the a lot of the kids were very sad, and, like, mm-hmm. some started crying, and I think, like, that's such a, like... And they didn't cut the camera? Yeah, I'd be like, hey, cut, cut, cut. But that's such, like, personal experience of, like, when your parents tell you, and, like, to learn on set of... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're YouTube learning this video. on television. Like, that's just... No, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. But actually, it was funny because one kid was like very adamant that he was real, and he's like, "I don't believe you. I know he's real." And like the whole time he said that, which is <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, twelve, I think, is kind of reaching it. Um, I mean, if you're like thirteen years old and you still believe <laughs> in the Easter that's Bunny, like then that's privilege in a weird way. Like, you still don't thank your parents for stuff. <laughs> I know that's taking you to yeah, a level. Yeah, that's what I'm but... saying. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, there needs to be a point where you are. I guess aware enough to be able to say, Hey, my parents are doing these things for me. Like the, the, the money I get in these eggs, which I can't believe y'all actually did that. I never got no money. In really? Eggs. That's messed up. But it's anyway, rare. the money you get in your eggs or the Christmas presents you get. And, uh, 
Is there any myth about Halloween? Is there any no. character that you got to believe in? I don't know. The Great Pumpkin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you don't, if they don't, like yes. <laughs> but yeah, so if you don't um, eventually figure it out, then you're just gonna constantly be believing in this this guy that doesn't exist. When you got parents who you know love you and support you, who are doing all these things for you, which is one thing I why I don't understand why the um, the myths would come out in the first place. Because if it was me, you know, the kids like, oh my god, who got this for me? Well, like it was me, son. You know, <laughs> make sure they appreciate oh what's up. I spent my money. <laughs> yeah, that on was this. me, baby. And they'd be like, "Oh, thank you, Dad." Yeah, yeah, you better. Nah, I feel like the kids would not be grateful. Okay, because no, you go to school, Marcus, and like the social environment of school, you can't, you you can't have your kid be the one saying Santa isn't real, everyone. And the, oh like, yeah, my kid, my, my kid would be shredding all these Stop. dreams. You know, that would be hilarious. My kid would just be out there, just yeah, guys, Santa Claus isn't real. It's your parents. Or or maybe like the that. kid would think it was me who was giving everybody presents. <laughs> True. It's it's my dad. He gives oh everybody presents. I'm Santa. No, I feel like kids, like it's like tradition to like keep believing and like pass it down because it's like childhood innocence. But also like yeah, if you You're just lying to your kids. Yeah, but it's like nice and they're like excited. It's, yeah, I don't. But know they why... need to be excited for when daddy comes bringing them some presents and stuff. You know, no. bringing home some eggs. Next time they'll just like get a tooth fairy. No, also I feel like stuff like that is like. It's kind of like a way to manipulate kids. It's like, you know, if you don't go to bed right now, the Easter Bunny's not going to come or something. Like, I just think like it's that. so interesting how that's how we do it because we could have definitely done it just the regular way, you know? Like, take that same situation. Hey, if you don't go to bed, Sonny, I'm not going to give you this, you know? <laughs> it's, it's this exact same thing. Just, I guess they want, I guess they just like the magic of uh, the myths of the Easter Bunny, mm. Tooth Fairy, Santa. It's and but anybody else those things go back really far too Pumpkin like and it's man. like yeah. it's not just america like every country does it so it's kind of like i mean you can do it you don't have to do it but it's like a it's like a tradition like kelsey said and i think um if you told them right off that it wasn't real like all those movies they would just be bitter about and then yeah. the kids at school like like i hated when kids told me at school that they weren't real because i'm like yes they are right. like <laughs> you're upsetting me <laughs> literally so i think I think if Mark is actually a father, he would he would go along with it. Yeah, I'd um, go along with it for at least a couple years. They're like two years. <laughs> Santa's not real. They can't speak yet. Yeah, they're they like, can't what? even. Talk. Yeah, yeah. I would I would tell them I would tell them Santa exists until they can actually talk. Then <laughs> then it'd be like, yeah, he's not real. All right, all right. But Kirsten mentioned that like if it's your nephew and you like the kid, you can't break his heart. But let's go back. The kid's six years old again. But it's not your nephew. It's just some random kid, and you really don't like this kid. <laughs> Do you just, just just tell him just to be like spiteful? This is gonna hurt his feelings. Oh man, I I can't I can't bring myself to doing that. If it was but me, can, I your would own just kid. <laughs> true. I mean, I just can't bring myself. Like I said, it's all about whether um, it's all about how the kid was raised. Like if it was my kid and I raised the kid to not believe in Santa, then that's just you know what it is. Or sorry, Easter. If we're talking about Easter, not to believe in the Easter Bunny, but like. If I'm on the outside, so if I'm the the outside factor, then I have to obey what the parents say. So if the parents tell the kid that that's what it, that's what it is, then I'm going to say, okay, that's what it is. And I'm not going to try to tell them otherwise. Even if it's a kid that I don't like. What if you don't like the parents? <laughs> huh. That's actually, I don't know. That would be a little interesting if I just wanted to troll troll the parents. Yeah. You know? I don't know. What about you, Clark? What do you say? Um... I feel like in that moment, I, w- I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't just be like, yep, he's not real. <laughs> like, I don't know. Even if I hated him, he's still like a child. And I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know. But I, I feel like I'd be like, I'd just do it. And I would just be like, yeah, he's real. You know, because again, I think it's like kind of a parent thing. Also, like, what if he 
rats you out to his parents. Like, uh, Kirsten told me he wasn't real, so, you know, you look bad. I wouldn't care. Well, here's the <laughs> thing about it. It's like, you look bad, but you didn't lie. I mean, Ugh, well, like, yeah. think about it from, like, a moral standpoint. Is that even moral. though you're lying for the for the right reasons, quote unquote, you're still lying, which would be technically worse than telling the truth, right? I don't know. For some reason, though, I can imagine Kirsten being like really savage, though, and just being like, "Yeah, uh, these are not real." If I'm in like a bad mood and like, yeah, I've been with this kid all day and he's getting on my nerves, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, because like kids make me so. Well, I love kids, but like, I don't know. There's certain children that like kids just pushing your buttons. Definitely. And then he just does something and then, you know, it gets in trouble. That's why Santa's not real. Yeah, they don't even ask you. You just say it as like a punishment. Yep. I, I, but really so. quick, let's see. All right. So I want to ask, like, what age did you guys, if you remember, uh, learn that Santa wasn't real? Because like Easter Bunny, I feel like kind of goes with Santa maybe. Yeah. But what age were you? I really cannot remember at all. You don't remember why? Like I just don't remember when that happened. I do know that I used to believe in Santa. But there was a time, and it was pretty early, that I just stopped believing. That's sad. And I really don't remember why. But I do remember it was pretty early. It well, wasn't crazy early, but it was early. That's sad. I think the first time I can remember kind of doubting it was when I was eight. Because it Dang. was Because it was when I lived in Massachusetts. And, like, we lived there. It was me and my sister and my mom. And we had, like, a tiny condo, and we were staying there. Um, and I remember that Christmas Eve, like... I think I could, like, hear my mom, like, going to put the presents, like, under the tree. And I was like, is that her or maybe it's Santa? Like, I was still, like, trying to believe. But, like, that's the first time I, like, doubted it. But I think at that point I knew. And I think my sister was also kind of, like, one of those kids who was like, it's not real. Come on. Um, But I think, like, the next year I was with my dad. And uh, I think I, like, still tried to be like, oh, yeah, I think Santa's real. But, like, I kind of didn't. And I think I just eventually faded away. And I was just like, I'm who am I kidding? Um. Yeah, I feel like for most kids it fades away. For me, it was Christmas morning, and I was like, you know, obviously, maybe I was like seven or eight, but that, that seems old, but I guess it's not. Um, I recognized that the handwriting on the presents were like my mom's handwriting, Ooh. like very easily recognized. I don't like when I was young, like my mom has specific handwriting. Clark so I was, was like, a sleuth. I was like, I know this, like, I, but it was like while I was opening them, so it felt really sad because like I was like, this probably isn't real. Um, and then I distinctly remember after like. Asking, I think, and uh, mom's like, "Yeah, sorry to tell you Aww. that." So it was like this That's dramatic. So weird. It's so weird how it's like such a, a a sad moment. Like you're getting presents, and then it's sad because it's not from Santa Claus. Because it's like the magic and the spirit, and it's all these years of like believing, and you're just like, "Oh, yeah, I think I it's... can get that part." The part where it's like, "Oh, I've been lied to all this time." Not even Marcus, that. Marcus, you just... act like you've been a doll your entire life. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you didn't have any childhood like. Emotions. Hey, I was I was born in uh with a beard. <laughs> Stop. No, when you're a child and you're like, see, to me it wasn't even like the being lied to. It was just like the whole story that the entire world has been telling me yeah. is like, I don't know. It's like it's your something world you're coming, not a, coming down. Yeah, the something you're not a part of, and then like you're like, wow, I'm the only one that didn't, like. It's just a very it's a strange feeling. Like I wasn't like sad, sad, but I was just like kind of disappointed. I was like, oh, okay, well, guess. Uh, well, thanks, mom. <laughs> Guess uh, we've been making those cookies for no reason. True. Nah, you've been making them cookies for mama. <laughs> <laughs> but um, on on the I think before even I had my little condo realization. I think on the subject of like handwriting, 
Um, I remember once Umi and my sister were like looking in the closet of my parents' room to see like if there were any presents in there. Cause like my parents would always still get us some presents and yeah. they would be like from mom and dad. Um, but we found one and it was like one of, you know, those like kitchen sets Yes, that they sell. It was like those one of those, ones. but it was like a McDonald's one. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and so, snap. so we saw it in the closet like days before Christmas, but then Christmas day comes and it's all wrapped up and it says from Santa. Oh snap. And first I, I forget how my parents played it off, but like for some reason I still believed in Santa afterwards. I was like, Oh, it was just like a misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. But, Santa just dropped it off early. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So I think that might've been the first time I was like, That's Oh, sad. I hate, like, when you're a parent, you don't think of stuff like that, and then, like, yep. you re- you think, oh, my kids won't notice, and, like, little, some little kids can pick up on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot of little brothers and sisters, and um, they are very attentive. They can see and understand so much. I mean, way more than you think they would. Yep. So, you think, oh, yeah, they're going to be oblivious. They're going to be ignorant to this. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. They notice, and they register it. Like, it registers in their head, mm-hmm. and they understand it. Even if they don't tell you they do, they do. So... I actually do have, like, a five-year-old nephew, and, like, before when he was, like, little, like, maybe three, like, you could tell him something, and he would forget about it, like, ten seconds later, and, like, I'll still try to do that to be, like, you know, go do this, or I'll give you this, but, like, I won't actually give it to him, but, like, now he'll, like, come back and be, like, you said you were going to give me something, and I was, like, oh, (laughs) like, I thought you would forget about it, but they are very perceptive. Yeah, they they understand, and they'll remember, so. That's true, like, like, they'll, like, even as we're this age, like, I, you remember very specific things about being small, um, being a child, but like things that like changed, like the Santa thing, Marcus didn't remember, but like, like huge things, like you think they're small at the time, but they remember. So be nice to children, True. but also um, get a ghostwriter for your packages for Easter and Christmas. That's a lot of work. Get a ghostwriter and know where to hide them. Just write with your left hand. No, ghostwriter. <laughs> hand. Like, wow, Santa's got some terrible <laughs> handwriting. Although my mom, I guess it was my mom, like, we had mirrors in our room, like, on the closet doors. They were, like, full-length mirrors. Yeah. Uh, and they would, like, write Santa's notes on there in, like, marker. But I don't know how we didn't wake up, first of all. But, like, every year there was one. And I don't know how we didn't realize it was the handwriting. That's cute, though. It was. It was Pe- people do, like, uh, reindeer feet through the house with, like, oh, yeah. it's like a kid. But that's, like, Man, a y'all lot did, of y'all work. went extravagant with all nah, that. Nah, well, that White wasn't people. us. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> on that y'all note. Y'all crazy. I think we're done. Yeah. So, what what should be the, the the general um the general takeaway from this? Well, I mean, be nice to kids unless you know you want to be mean that day. <laughs> be nice to kids unless you just they're just getting on your nerves. Yeah, don't ruin the dream. Don't ruin the dream. There we go. I like that. That's don't ruin how the we dream. end. Don't ruin the dream. That's a bold move. Bold move. With that, I'm Kirsten. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Marcus. Thanks for listening. Peace. See ya.